Do you guys get Jeopardy up there? Welcome to Spinsters, a podcast where we are north of the border. Not physically for me and Jordan, but spiritually. We're joined today by one of our favorite podcasts, Dishes and Dimes. I have been waiting for this collab. So do you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourselves before we get started? Yeah, sure. I'm Yasmin Duala. I'm Iman Adam. I'm Katie Heindel. Talk about, what, what about all the stuff you guys do? Oh. <laughs> you got to plug this stuff. Plugging. We're pros. We're, we're so pros we're at this stuff. Polite. <laughs> yeah, well, we're the hosts of Dishes and Dimes, which is like um, uh, MBA podcast, and it's all hosted by women. And um, we just happened to live in the same city. It was actually like very coincidental. We just like all happened to be friends and thought that, you know, it would be a cool idea. Um, and it, it was Sandy, actually, who had the the brain blast to have a podcast with a bunch of women who are, you know, from the same city. Um, and yeah, we've been going for a couple of years strong. And I myself am a sports writer and so is Katie and Iman um, hosts over at Yahoo as well. She has um, the group chat show. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's been awesome. And, you know, Raptors basketball has been super watchable since. So <laughs> we like to think of ourselves as like a good luck, good luck charm. So we did start after the championship run, though. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did, like, literally after. <laughs> they, had, they had their worst season with us as hosts, so I don't know, but I'll take it. I'll take the rebranding of history. Yeah, yeah we, didn't, we didn't need to know that. Those are just minor details, minor details. <laughs> it's not for the plot. It's not, but, like, you know. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com spin. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Go to indeed.com slash spinsters to claim your $75 credit before April 30th. Well, speaking of the Raptors, they play tonight. Mm -hmm. Um, Hopefully, if you're not, if you're listening to this and the game has already happened and the worst happens, I think everyone outside of Philadelphia can agree, it would be the worst um, if they won. You should still listen to this because we will get into their insight on what you can take from this for the next series um and just a lot of raptors talk in general which it is my general understanding that people believe is not represented much by media in general right yeah you guys are changing the game (laughs) by having you on to talk about it (laughs) i honestly every time we ask for more coverage something terrible happens so True. I'm like fine with going under the radar. Like last time we begged for, um, you know, uh, national games and whatnot, like the bubble season happened and like we flamed out of the play. Ugh. Or the Christmas Day Don't pay Day attention. Game. Don't, don't perceive us. Don't perceive yeah. us. Oh, the Christmas Day game was <laughs> Against painful. the Celtics. Oh, that was oh, there. Wow. And I I still have like... Flashbacks. Yeah, like <laughs> PTSD. You're like, oh, look, Zach Lowe's right there. Oh, wait, no, this is the terrible game. Don't watch. Don't watch. (laughs) Like a part of me always does feel like the Raptors and certainly Raptors fans operate a little bit better under the radar. But I also wonder if that's just because we're so used to it. It's like, you know, Mm -hmm. part of kind of like not just the identity, but the DNA, too. Um, And then is there a point in time when we have to shake that? I don't know. But it's true. We do like to just be like the sneaky Sneaky under the radar team. I mean, that's where the We the North slogan came from. I don't know mm-hmm. that like most people like know that about the team, but like the We the North slogan came out with like this commercial when the Raptors first made the playoffs after like a six year drought. And it was this idea that like Canadian media doesn't care about us because we're not hockey. And American mm-hmm. media doesn't care about us because they don't get any ratings from Canadian viewership because we don't have the channels as we discussed, <laughs> but we have we don't have the channels, we have the shows. So they don't get any ratings from us. So it was just like, okay, well, this is the forgotten team in the city and the forgotten team in the league. And that's where like, okay, we're us. So we, the North was a slogan that was born out of that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Me neither. 
I also didn't know that the reasoning that has been suggested is because the ratings don't we don't I get mean, like American ratings or like in the US we don't ESPN. get ratings like we don't have ESPN okay. mm-hmm. we don't have ABC like these aren't stations that we have so like when mm-hmm. the programming is is on Canadian television it's on our channels so it doesn't count towards ESPN's ratings so why do they care to like cater to this fan base or this audience mm-hmm. yeah I think that makes that's sense. the thinking that I'm like I believe it. I'm I'm sold. <laughs> it's not fair though, but it, it makes sense. It's a grand conspiracy. Americans hate Canadians, actually. That's what it is. <laughs> um, I, I would say, say that oh, any God. conspiracy with the US and like money is probably not a conspiracy. No, <laughs> I, I, I genuinely don't think it's a conspiracy. And I don't think that like Raptor fans are like, I, I get feeling slighted, but it just makes sense that like Yeah. Also like Canadian stations. Don't really, like, we're not talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder at all on our TV station. So, like, it's fine. <laughs> it's just we're not talking about them here either. So yeah. don't, <laughs> don't even worry about it. You're not missing out on anything. <laughs> but, like, uh, Yaz and Iman, did you feel this way? Like, in that last game when Sixers fans were leaving with three minutes to go, I was like, I knew that they had not watched Raptors games all season. <laughs> Or like in seasons prior, because it's like, that's still plenty of time for them to blow it. So yeah. like, oh. you guys should sit down. <laughs> yeah. But that was proof yeah, to me that like this, the, the, the product doesn't carry south of the border. Yeah, <laughs> like awesome. game five, they had like four minutes left in the game, down nine. That's still a ball game for the Raptors. Yes. Like, that's, that's, but it's like weighing back, who's ineptitude like, more. Yeah. It's like, they, they made the smart choice. <laughs> the Raptors are inept, but then the Sixers are the Sixers. Like, we don't lead. It's, I always say that the um, the lead is not safe for the Raptors unless it's like the final minute 40. That's like... The, and it's 20 <laughs> points. It has to be like a, a really minute good 40 cushion. and 20 points. Yeah, that's when I'm comfortable. Ball. They're not even prone to um, those unforced mistakes that a lot of young teams um, make. Like, I think anyone who's watching, for example, that um, Wolves-Grizzlies matchup, that's a young team making a lot of mistakes in the final moments. Something about playing in Scotiabank Arena just makes, like, role players hot. Like, I don't know what it is, but, um, like, Nyang has not missed a three this series. He's made every shot, <laughs> whether like contested new, or not. <laughs> yeah, he's like the new Doug McDermott. Remember those it also, years? Oh my gosh, Doug used to oh, scorch. I wonder what he's doing. I know, Dougie. Not dropping yeah. 20 on the Raptors, thank God. I feel like, though, it, it feels like it's the end to every quarter as well. Like, it's not just the Raptors don't know how to keep a lead towards the end of the fourth. It's just like every quarter. So it's something about the team seeing three minutes to go they just decide they don't know how to play basketball anymore. <laughs> I would say this is the perfect matchup for them, though, because the Sixers like have multiple characters who are known for also collapsing specifically in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Doc, Harden. And beat it's not a collapse. I just think it's like an injury, like his body Always. collapses. Yeah. Yeah. His thumb's Something's falling off. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like I I don't I I feel like both teams are very like just stylistically very juxtaposed because for the Raptors it, every broadcast stresses this where um, the Sixers are really relying on just the excellence of their two MVP caliber players in Harden in Embiid whereas the Raptors are like this ragtag team of like tryhards who like have really good spirit. <laughs> And they, um, you know, they play the game the right way. There's like an ongoing joke among Raptors fans that the Raptors play ethical basketball, whereas the Sixers play very unethical basketball. No one's uh, grifting for uh, free throws because they don't know how. They just <laughs> they don't know how to do it, so it's not really going to happen. But yeah, I think the series has been like really fun to watch, just from a basketball standpoint. I don't I don't think anyone has disagreed with that. Even the losses were very interesting and telling for the team and. I think that's the um, the good parts of watching a team that's like still kind of in the early stages of, of their development, where you can take like the, this observational approach to looking at the playoff run. So it's it's kind of low stakes. Um, I'm I'm really just looking how um, the main guys are playing, the rotational guys, how Siakam's looking in a playoff run where he's healthy, how Scotty Barnes is mm-hmm. looking as a rookie in his first playoff run. So yeah, it's it's been the it's 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 a juxtaposed like thing with the team but it's also with the fan bases so the Raptors fans are kind of calm going into this whereas the Sixers fans are like 
losing game six is it's it's gonna be really bad like i don't even i don't know i, I can i can ramble but let me stop <laughs> <laughs> yeah the Sixers be- fans are booing their own team and i just feel like that would never happen up three one raptors up three one and booing. ever like what yeah. are you doing <laughs> which series was it that we lost I think we got blown out, but the Raptors still got a standing ovation at home in that last game. It was, yeah. it was it against was, the um, Cavs. The it Cavs, was, um, against the Cavs, yeah. Cavs it was Cavs. Yeah. Everyone yeah. started chanting. We the let's North. go Raptors. Oh, yeah. oh let's go Raptors. Yeah. LeBron post game was just like, do you hear this? Like, we just beat them by 30 points and look at their, yeah. Look at the crowd. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So Stan much. Van Gundy came to a game before the Raptors were even good. And he was like, why is the crowd cheering? They're losing by like 20 right now. And it's like, they just scored 100 points. They're happy for pizza. this crowd is just gonna cheer (laughs) that's all they're here to do do you guys get a free pizza thing after after you after they hit 100 points not anymore i think it happened too much so (laughs) it's now the team misses a certain number of free throws in the fourth fourth, i don't even understand it and you don't get a free slice you get a coupon it's like bogo basically i think okay yeah yeah. oh that's that's so not we used to get 100 points win or lose you get Pizza. pizza yeah they used to cheer for the oh, pizza. Great deal. That's when we were really down bad. Yep. <laughs> People would chant pizza. They had, one time Popeyes had like a three strips. Like you got three chicken strips if the Raptors made more than 12 threes. But the Raptors were just <laughs> a really good three-point shooting team that they had to change the promotion halfway <laughs> through the season. <laughs> I mean, what is going on right now, though? They could literally bring that back now. Are you? How many threes have you guys made over the last? Um, that's the thing that's the thing that's interesting about this series like it has been very very fun to watch and i don't think anyone would say it's like ugly basketball or anything but there's so many little things with the raptors like you were saying the juxtaposition earlier i think that also applies to Embiid and harden have a lot of pressure on them mm-hmm. whereas you could kind of put that on um like precious and scotty being so much fun and the pressure is just not there in the same way but also the raptors have things that they could still unlock like turning Fred's absence into a plus because of the size is just something that I don't know that everyone would be able to capitalize on. Mm-hmm. And then the threes, like making like 16 threes the entire time, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like, like pointed out that they don't want to see any arguments about players not being able to work with their spacing because Siakam's on the break and he has Precious and Scotty trailing <laughs> as his three-point shooters on the wings. So yeah. you gotta you gotta make it work. I think it if it, it forces them to be super resourceful. <laughs> their lack of shooting, it, they have to be really strategic. They have to create like the utmost space for one another to make those open looks because I think they've been like a they've been below average from three, but mm-hmm. Individually, they don't have many good three-point shooters. I think the people I classify as that are like Gary, OG, and Fred. I consider them to be like among the more elite three-point shooters. Everyone else is average or below average. Um, but yeah, they've they've somehow been making it work. Um, and it's I think it's actually benefited Siakam's game um, as a creator, driving into the lane and. Um, passing out of those doubles because he has to not only um look for his shooters but also avoid passing to his non-shooters so i feel like there's a lot of mental work involved with um uh those assists so maybe they should be counted as two i think i don't know yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's like that's kind of a nice return to siakam's early game too right but like now he's so much stronger and like generally just like way more intelligent in terms of like the decision making and like shot creation to a degree but like there was a couple moments in the last game i think he like faked he like faked three times a dribble drive and it was like just do it dude like you don't you don't need to to wait but like i like to see him doing i know he gets like clowned for the spin move but like if it works and the shooting is not there from like outside just keep driving and like frustrate the hell out of mb because that seems to be working pretty well too but yeah if the raptors could get two consistent shooters in a single game that's it it's lights out for the six I like yeah. it's it's so interesting to me because like in the beginning of the series like game one especially the Raptors shot 40% from deep the mm. Raptors half court offense was like stellar and it was just like that is not this team and they lost by a considerable amount because they couldn't stop them at all and I'm like this is the antithesis of Raptors basketball like what are we watching here it just felt very weird and then of course Fred 
going out of the lineup and the Raptors going big, it just felt like, okay, there you go. They can't shoot threes. Makes sense. They're getting their stops and they're getting out in transition. This makes sense. This kind of feels more Raptors-esque. And it's weird to say that, like, even going into game six, I think the margin of error for the Sixers is smaller than it is for the Raptors, which just feels odd to say considering the talent gap there. But the Sixers need their guys. They need Niang. They need Green. They need their guys to hit their threes in order to pull out a win. Whereas Mm -hmm. for the Raptors, hitting their threes is going to be a cherry on top. It's not going to be the difference between a win or a loss. Like we saw, they hit 25% of their threes in the last game and still pulled that one out fairly comfortably. So it's just so weird to look at these two teams and think that like, oh yeah, like the Raptors making their threes, that helps, but the Sixers need it in order to pull anything out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we're, we're talking about threes, but I don't think anyone was really betting how easy it was to go at Embiid oh <laughs> a little bit this series. I think that was something that was a little shocking how they, you know, the Raptors were just going inside, pounding at again him. And and again and again. <laughs> back after, like, what? That was, I, I don't think that was a part of your game plan of all those layups that so you guys are getting. The Raptors there. are really good at singling out who they want to target on the defensive mm-hmm. end and going at that person repeatedly. And the fact that it was Embiid that was the person that they chose in the third quarter um, was so fun to watch, especially because, like, I've, I mean, Precious is a gem. I like anytime I get in front of a microphone, I'm like, listen, I have a two year old niece and he reminds me and she reminds me of Precious and that like every time I see her, she grows and like speaks in full sentences and like knows how to do things that like humans do. And I'm like, you were taught like a bait. What do you like? How do you grow this quickly? And that's like what it feels like watching Precious play basketball. It's like, how do you grow this quickly? And watching him put the ball on the floor was disastrous (laughs) at like certain points this season. And just like I watched it in the playoffs and like in games one or two, it was like disastrous again. And then you're starting to see it and it works. And then I'm like, oh, it's working on Embiid? What? (laughs) And then as soon as that happens, it's like a floodgate where OG, Pascal, and literally everybody else also go at Embiid. And it was just, it's a treat to watch and a a testament to like Embiid not really being healthy or something towards the end of the season because it just doesn't make sense that. Yeah, happen. I think it's um mm-hmm. I after watching that clip <laughs> a couple of times, yeah. Um, I noticed that um Doc Rivers went out of the ordinary with his rotations for a moment and he left Embiid in there for I think the duration of the third quarter. Yeah. Um yeah. and one thing about Embiid is that he's having he's had this MVP caliber season without stressing out you know his minutes um per game throughout the year either so i feel like there's a discrepancy between both teams in terms of conditioning as well because mm-hmm. uh, like notoriously nick nurse has been working these guys <laughs> they will play 47 minutes on like a friggin' tuesday in february if it means pulling out the win and you know um it, barring injuries um here they are in the um postseason managing these minutes looking fresh into the fourth quarter you know, um, and that's when you really notice that, okay, there's one side that's gripping onto their shorts at the free throw line, you know, mm-hmm. struggling to stand upright. <laughs> there's another side that's getting ready to drive and dunk again and again and again. So um, I think Masai Jiri spoke about it early in the season where it's like, you know, this is kind of, we're doing it on purpose in a way because we can reduce their minutes, take our losses for the season, or we can work these guys. And, you know, what are we saving them for? We're saving them for the postseason. So, you know, you may as well, um, put it to use. And the, there are definitely benefits to it um, in the conditioning. But you also see the the issues when you have more injury prone guys like Fred Van Vliet or more susceptible to certain, you know, bumps and bruises. Um, but, you know, I think they took a calculated risk in that. Yeah, Jordan, you are my guy. Stan Van Gundy called the Raptors <laughs> the best uh, conditioned team in the league, which was uh, kind of like surprising to me. But I like we we see it. We Mm -hmm. see it, but uh, I was like, Stan. Good old Stan. You know. (laughs) Talking about those take fouls and how how conditioned the Raptors are. Well, I think, like, just to touch on what Iman and Yaz said, like, I think the moment I realized that there was maybe a a, a crack in the veneer of Embiid's, like, MVP kind of caliber, almost, like, the face that he was presenting was the last time, I losing track of, like, the number of the games. What was the, the last game in Toronto? four yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) so in game four when he was just like precursor to him falling down all over the place but there was one 
play where he got like tangled up with OG and him and OG's like arms got tangled up and OG just kind of like shrugged him off and threw him and was just like quit it like stop it and like the same thing happened with Pascal like they were he was they were guarding each other and Pascal like he was just kind of getting chippy and like pushy uh, like up against Pascal and Pascal just shoved him (laughs) and he fell down and it's like it's like schoolyard a little bit, but when you realize that, oh, these guys that used to kind of buy into this bullying or let themselves get pushed around are now actually just mm-hmm. sick of me. It's like when the joke's over, kind of, but um, the Raptors realize that, but indeed, like, I don't know that he knows what to do about it now. Yeah, and yeah. that's beyond the thumb. A lot of yes. the stuff that, you know, like Jordan, you were talking about them just going at him and identifying it. And I guess, like, to what you were saying, Iman, that is something the Raptors are really good at. But when you're seeing it happen to Joel Embiid, it's just, like, it it freaks you out. It's a Mm -hmm. little bit jarring. But you can chalk it up to his thumb, right? It's really bad. They can't do anything to help it. Mm -hmm. It needs surgery. Like, they're not going to be able to to do anything with it. But that, getting pushed around, that has nothing to do with your thumb. Like, even if your thumb is killing you, getting pushed around means you have been demoralized. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is just a little bit uncomfortable if you're the Sixers. Also, like, move your feet, Joelle. Your thumb bone is not connected to your foot Right. It's a, <laughs> it's, a feet. it's a footwork thing. <laughs> or don't. I mean, like, I, like, don't move your feet, actually. Do exactly uh, what you did in game five. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break, and then I want to ask you guys if about the 3-0 and thing, because this could be history. Man, I'm getting really good at setting up these ad breaks. That's all I'm getting say. real good. I was about to say, <laughs> right? Hello, <laughs> finger. <laughs> if you don't have players on the field with the right skills, whether it's breakaway speed or elite playmaking ability, you're going to have a tough time winning. The same goes for your business. Indeed is a fast, simple way to make sure you're hiring MVPs. Go to Indeed.com slash Spinsters to claim your $75 credit before April 30th. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applicants that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash spinsters. Offer valid through April 30th. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Indeed.com slash spinsters. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our next partner has a product I use every morning first thing when I wake up or when my dog wakes me up. It's Athletic Greens, which is essentially a bunch of supplements and probiotics and words that sound made up. They're so healthy like adaptogens, all mixed into one green scoop, which I can mix into water in the morning and carry around with me as I start the day. I started using Athletic Greens because I'm lazy. This is a wonderful endorsement so far, and I didn't want to take a bunch of vitamins in the morning. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash spin. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash spin to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Okay, we're back. I want to talk about the 3-0. and We said last time on our show, I think everybody knows, it's never happened before in basketball. I believe in every other sport where you can go to seven, it has happened. Um... It, would this be the best? What, where would does this rank if this would happen, if they would pull it off among, like, sports memories for you guys? Um, yeah, go, go for it. <laughs> uh, um, I'd probably say, like, right under a championship because yeah. you're talking about NBA history. So, mm-hmm. and for this group in particular, there's something about it that would just be extra special because... Um, they've defied like all odds. If you look at the 
um, preseason predictions for the season. No one had the Raptors even making the playoffs. Like they they were a, a, um, projected to be below 500. Um, we've seen development across the board from them. And then you add the fact that Scotty Barnes is one rookie of the year. Um, when people weren't even anticipating him being uh, drafted by the Raptors or even being a productive player. But here he is, you know, among, among all rookies, they selected him to represent them for, you know, the best one of the year. So when you add um, all these factors and then you add on like potentially making NBA history, this would become an unforgettable roster. And when you rank unforgettable rosters for the Raptors in the history of the team, you think of the championship squad and then you would think that you'd think of these guys. So, um, in terms of importance, yeah, that's where I'd probably rank it as a as a fan and someone who covers the team. And importance for like I think uh, Toronto fans really like stuff you can never you'll never hear the end of. And I think that <laughs> like that ranks really high. It would be yeah. too much fuel. Anytime yeah. you could be an answer to a Jeopardy trivia question, you're you're great. You're solid. <laughs> that, would, that would be a good trivia question <laughs> for sure. Yesterday on the show, they did. Um, a category that was like MVPs of um, certain teams. And the only basketball one was uh, LeBron. And it was like where he played in 2009, um, which I thought was just very, very, very easy. Um, but the Canadian champion, who I was telling you guys about, Mateo Roach, got a lot of them that had absolutely nothing to do with like basketball or I think sports that are very popular in Canada. And she got a football one. American People watch football, football here, Haley. I don't know. I've never been. I've never <laughs> been to Canada. I want to go. You have to go. I was wearing. I'm wearing my Quebec Montreal shirt. For oh, you look at that. Thank. Oh, you. we don't claim Quebec though. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> Dang. Okay. <laughs> cool. They don't claim us either. Yeah, that, yeah. I did hear that. I did hear that. Okay, sorry. We're gonna wrap it up. <laughs> I will say. I don't know if Iman and Katie agree with this. But just bringing it back to the 3-0 thing, like, I, for me, I have a special place in my heart for the Sixers. Um, I don't know if it's because, like, when it comes to your divisional rivals, uh, you, you see them so frequently throughout the season that you kind of just come, you become accustomed and kind of have a soft spot for their rosters. And, like, I enjoy watching the Celtics. I enjoy watching the Sixers. I've been watching, like, the highs and lows of the Nets for years now. Um no mention of the Knicks. No like, mention if, if of the Knicks. <laughs> if the Raptors manage to win in seven games after being down three and zero, like I almost don't want that to hover over Embiid because, like, I have like Embiid is one of my favorite players in the NBA. Mm. This would be so detrimental to his legacy. Like, I almost don't want it to happen. That's like I feel like there's less at stake for the Raptors just losing than for this Sixers team. This so Sixers team can just disintegrate as we know it. Like. I don't even know if Embiid security is guaranteed after that. Like it gets really dicey. So that's that's something I was thinking about this morning. I'm like, do I even want this to happen? Like, I don't know. I feel like there's too many implications for like one of my favorite teams. Like it's just kind of, I don't know. Like I, I would like the accolade, but seeing it, like I feel like it would get so ugly. Like people would lose their jobs <laughs> for this. Yeah, it, it would be really bad. And it's just crumbling before our eyes. I know that you guys saw Doc Rivers. <clears throat> basically throw all his other rosters <laughs> under the Those bus <laughs> with force of being that like, you guys so got to tell the whole story. <laughs> you guys see that? that and it was Orlando team. Too. <laughs> like, they are crumbling. So if I, if I'm the Raptors, I'm so excited to play this game because they're already thinking two games away and losses and they're, I feel like they're not even talking about the game that's in front of them. That's tonight. Mm -hmm. It's all about what happens two games from now. Yeah. If you guys lose, what does that mean for the Sixers as an organization? What does that mean for Doc Rivers? And it's not even the game right now. So that's what is an advantage for Raptors, I think, because they're like, okay, we're about to win this game. You're still thinking two games from there. You're thinking about your jobs and B's legacy and all of that. And we're about to tip off right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, Yasmin. Embiid's legacy did not cross my mind. But I was thinking about Doc Rivers after that. And I was just like, I feel really bad for him. Like, I don't know how I can watch this man and be like, like, the narratives are just there. And, it, and I was also going through it as someone who, like, 
paid a lot of attention. The Raptors were terrible in the mid-2000s, so those Celtics teams. And I'm like, I remember being nervous for them in every single playoff game, despite them being the one seed. I'm pretty sure each one went to seven games. And, like, sure enough, they all went, like, seven games for the eight-seed Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> like, seven games and you're mm-hmm. playing the uh, Chicago Bulls, you know, in other series. It's like every single round went to seven, and I'm like, I feel bad for Doc because this is going to be his legacy. But also, I'm a fan of ethical basketball. So um, I would like to see ethics win out at the end of the day. I want to talk about ethical basketball. Sorry, when Doc was no, like, go ahead. When, when your coach who still has a job is like, Google those lineups. To, and the implication is those guys obviously don't play in the league anymore and he can't be bothered to remember their names and he's like Google those lineups and you'll be just as shocked as I was it's like that was brutal a lot of the sympathy I had for Doc did go out the window there it did it did because it was a you know I always have to be better I have to be better always that line I have to be better always but Go back yes. and look at those rosters yes. because you those actually nobodies. should give me a trophy for yeah. coach of the year for even getting I, them to the playoffs. It's like, no, we're not going to do that. I see man in a it's not ethical basketball, like to no. Iman's point. No. And here, here's my thing, though. Like, also coming into the series, I know that 3-0 sounds really terrible, but, like, coming into this, I thought that these were two, like, I think the Sixers definitely have more talent on paper and theoretically should be the better team. But this was always going to be a matchup where I thought the Raptors should probably be favored. I thought it should probably go seven games. And I thought the Raptors could win out just because of the conditioning thing that we ma- oh, that we mentioned. And also the size difference. Like the Sixers are very big, but then the Raptors are bigger at every position outside of um, Embiid's. And the Raptors have also defended and beat better than anyone else. I saw a stat that said in the last um, 10 games prior to the playoffs, so the last 10 regular season games, Embiid scored, averaged 19 points against the Raptors. So despite them not really having a center, they've been able to guard him better than any other team, really, with Marcus or without. And so I'm just like, I, I could see the Raptors winning this. So to me, even though the 3L is going to be the biggest story, I don't know that we should really look at it as just blowing a 3-0 lead, mm-hmm. and more like the Raptors in the beginning of the series were pl- were a horrid defensive team and a really good half-court offense, which just doesn't make sense. And then as the series went on, we actually saw the Raptors team that beat the the Sixers multiple times in the regular season and had a 3-1 record. So it kind of makes sense that the Raptors should be favored in this matchup, mm-hmm. but it won't be remembered that way, which is sad but also hilarious because it's not my team. Doc's going to pull that clip. He's going to be like, actually, um, if you think about the Raptors' half-court offense and like how they've guarded and beat. <laughs> we, we shouldn't even have been in it. Look, this is before I even got here. Look how they were guarding and beat before I got here. This is Brett Brown. <laughs> the way the Raptors guard and beat, I feel like that's that can be like a whole other podcast. Because I think it's just a testament to, if you ever talk about like Nick Nurse's coaching style, and how he targets players. Like, he has that mm. reputation now. If your team has a star, he's having the worst night of the season <laughs> against Nick yeah. Nurse. Like, his stat sheet is going to look ridiculous, and then you'll get to his Raptors game, and it'll be, like, eight points, three of 15, or something like that. Like, it'll, Curry? it'll be ugly. <laughs> um, and it's just, he has this tendency where he will, like, just look at the um, the preferences, the style, the habits of your star player, and then he will just take away what he enjoys doing most. Just make them uncomfortable and force the role players to beat you. And it's like, um, I forgot who said it, but someone said that when it comes to playoff series, he's he's he has a style now where he prefers to let the first couple of games go out, like feel it out, mm-hmm. see what's going on. And then you start to constrict as things go and you start to, and we're seeing that. I feel like game five was a perfect instance of like him handling Harden, Maxi, and Embiid exactly as he wanted to. Yeah. Um, whereas I, I haven't seen Doc Rivers yet do things to make the Raptors' biggest producers big um, on the offensive end uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, I I feel like they've been getting their way um, throughout so far. And if anything, I feel like we're, we're getting, like, random stars in this series in Precious and Boucher. So um, I haven't I seen... I will say uh, Tobias has done a good job, like, a, a better job than I expected him to. So yeah, he's been, I feel, to, I feel like Tobias. he's been average, uh, instead of regularly, which is, like, below average on defense, he's been average, like, breaking even, which is, like, impressive for him. So mm-hmm. um, besides that, like, 
I haven't seen him do anything besides put Embiid on Siakam, which um, was like an expected, um, you know, caveat of the series for me. But and backfired. Um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> like I haven't. Whatever they're doing, I feel like the Raptors are trying to spin into an advantage for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so during lineups when Precious is at the five and they put Embiid on Precious, they have Embiid drop. And Precious is an above average three point shooter now this season for some reason. So he's shooting what 37% from the perimeter. Mm-hmm. So they turned that into open threes. And we saw them where he Embiid is basically under the basket and Precious is alone on the perimeter. Um, so I feel like right now we're seeing um, the chess game in terms of coaching play out. And I just want the series to be extended. I really don't care who wins, but. Um, yeah, like, I, I want to see two so more games. diplomatic <laughs> today. <laughs> so nice. Well, I remember so when fair. like Steph Curry called. I think it was Steph Curry. He was like, "It's janky," like the way Nick Nurse yeah. coaches because he coaches because he was using the box in one in that series. But which the Warriors pulled out yesterday. Yeah, exactly. But again, that's like that's the thing with Nick Nurse is like it's a little bit shameless, and I think some coaches are just like afraid to look so obvious. But it's like, well, do you yeah. want to win? Like, especially when you're the Raptors, it's like you've got to take whatever advantage you can. You don't necessarily have the star power. You don't have the shooting power. So it's like, yeah, is it going to look ugly and like sometimes janky? And is it going to be like very obvious what you're doing when you're like triple teaming Joel Embiid? Totally. But like that works because like Joel Embiid will just literally fall down and give up and like look at the last two games. So I think like you can be a little bit shameless. In situations yeah, and that like this, to, like the buy-in that he has from this roster, mm-hmm. because he has them looking crazy out there. Sometimes. They look nuts. <laughs> the, for example, when the Raptors face Jokic without a center, without a traditional center, he will ask his players to just swarm him, all five of them, <laughs> when he's at the basket, and then disperse like someone's breathing out into the perimeters. And like just thinking about the um, the the. Um, exertion that requires throughout a game like mm-hmm. the, the amount of buy-in he requires from his players and the, like the requests he makes is just it's insane because yeah they, he has them looking insane sometimes not not just looking insane but like as a player um for you to guard somebody who's who has like a foot and a half on you or something like that like I feel like that requires a lot of trust in your coach that is going to turn out favorably because um, that these are things that affect your value as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think that um, when you have a young roster, like having them fully all, all in on whatever their coach suggests um, has been a huge um, help for Nick Nurse. But also he has a, a record of success. Like a lot of his crazy schemes mm-hmm. have worked <laughs> in the past. So um, I think that they they actually now have a bit of excitement and bring into life some of his ideas. I don't know if that's like something you guys noticed, but I feel like Nick Nurse is almost probably excited to bring them um, a scheme that he's been thinking of or a tactic or a new, um, uh, a, um, a new, how would I say it? Like a, an adjustment throughout the series. Like um, those timeouts when they come out and you notice they fix something immediately. For mm-hmm. example, Embiid was establishing like deep post positioning continuously in game five for like a couple of possessions in a row. And then I think Nick Nurse's adjustment was just to hit him when he gets to the perimeter. <laughs> like just, I, I'm not kidding. Like I, I was looking at it very closely. Like I, when you notice the, the next few possessions after the timeout, Thad Young is just kind of elbowing him in the, in the midsection to make sure he's not comfortable before mm-hmm. he catches the ball. And then he's catching it far out. Um, and yeah. it's just little things like that where I'm like, this is going to be such an interesting team when I feel like their skill set kind of levels out with the requests of their coaching. So, yeah, that's um that's something else that I've been watching for this. He series. should have been counting because, my gosh, Joel Embiid was setting up camp there. I'm like, hello, three seconds. Anybody? <laughs> <laughs> I hope this series is the beginning of actually I don't know what it's going to take. Maybe them going like really far again. But um, I don't think people know Nick Nurse very well. And I don't think he gets the same kind of attention that a lot of other coaches get. The ones that we know the best are the ones who are either so, like, character caricatures of themselves, like Tibbs, or mm-hmm. the ones with super longevity, and you come to kind of know exactly what you can expect from them, like a Spo. Um, but Nick Nurse, to me, will rotate between – sometimes he takes – Things that I feel like are inherently credited to Spo, like the conditioning you guys were talking about. You see the players move a certain way. Um, sometimes he reminds me of the 
coach from um what's that dance show Ted where they've Lasso? got little kids dancing dance bombs <laughs> dance bombs yeah sometimes <laughs> he reminds me of the coach um sometimes he makes me think of like the um fake diamonds you get from Hobby Lobby like stuck on like a backpack because it's, it is very gimmicky sometimes and it's very like you guys are saying kind of obvious but everyone yeah. likes him too he also then will make me think of like a camp counselor I don't think that people have a proper perception of him myself included because it is a little bit limited like you guys were saying it's the stereotype and it's the common complaint but I also think it's true that we don't know as much about Toronto figures um, in sports, mm -hmm. even when they're in the, in the American leagues, because we just I, don't I think like, like there's Katie just not as much coverage. I think like Katie was saying, it's it's the the do like Raptor fans want it. But as soon as we get it, we're like, no, yeah, because so you, you, it's it, for one, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> but like two, the Raptors won the championship. Literally, they're like they won it and they were running the court and everybody was celebrating and you have a championship trophy up and you have Adrian Wojnarowski at the same moment tweet, Washington Wizards are looking to get Masai Ujiri. And it's just like, right. can we have one nice thing? That's true. And yeah. Like, yeah. And now we have the Raptors like in a playoff run and like things are working out for us and things are going and we have reports again, Lakers are interested in Nick Nurse. And it's like, can you guys stop wanting our things? <laughs> Stop wanting our uh, so like, Jordan's like, so, ah. I'm listening to what you guys are saying. Adjustments, different, like changes after timeout. No. Oh, don't get me wrong. I He'd be this. perfect. He'd be perfect for the Lakers. But Nick no, Nurse is like, be, he would. He was basically he Canadian was, now. Like, no, you turn he, off Canadian television. He he makes appearances on our sitcoms. Like, and our like really, yeah, our what? government like he, our he government coaches funded team Canada. He coaches Team like, Canada now. Basically Canadian. But no, but what? here's the funniest thing about Nick Nurse is because he's also like I I kind of compare him to Ted Lasso. He's kind of like if Ted Lasso was a like a bit of a dick, right? Like because Nick Nurse is not as nice as Ted Lasso, but like also like speaks in rhyme sometimes and carries a guitar with him, which I feel like is something Ted Lasso would do. And like definitely camp counselor vibes, but um he will straight up be like, yeah, what Pascal Siakam did wasn't smart. And like, we'll just call out your star player in the media and be like, Norm Powell needs to be good. I can't have zero games and then 24 point games. I need something in the middle every night. And I just feel like that's easy to do when you have a young team that like doesn't know any better. It's different to do when you're the Lakers and it's yeah. like LeBron James that you're calling out and Anthony Davis. He would and do I it too. He's he would. I don't they think he would care. Yeah, I mean, but like, would he last very long considering yeah, how much sway they have there, yeah. right? Like, because he would have no issues calling it out. And also the conditioning, I don't know, is something that that Lakers roster is really um, set up for, considering mm -hmm. I think, they're basically his age. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, they'll never be set up for it. They're too old. Um, they're yeah. too old. But I like that description call LeBron. Ted Lasso, that's a bit of a dick. Yeah, I really like that because I, I am genuinely trying to figure him out because you figure out like coaching personalities in basketball, like on the floor, a lot easier than you do off the floor. And I remember the guitar. I know that everyone is very affectionate towards him, like everyone really likes him, but I don't know a ton about him outside of that. But I like him. Yeah. Based you guys saying that he appears on sitcoms goes yeah, with my he's, theory. He's, um, there's like an uh, he also performs sometimes with like the Arkells oh, and stuff. God. Like there's a joke that yeah. he's kind of like a um, like a freelancer, <laughs> like very embedded <laughs> in like the gig economy because he he just he's always taking on work, <laughs> um, and he's like coaching Team Canada now, so he's building the program there. Like he's very. Um, what do you know about kind of like his his history in and his journey into the NBA? Um, coaching abroad, coaching globally, it kind of makes sense. Like, he, this is a guy, he's kind of a rolling stone. Like He'll take just, every job available. If yeah. you offered him to coach both the Lakers and the Raptors at the same time, he'd be like, you would do it. <laughs> yeah, first, Let's go. first dual coach. Well, we have to explain this show first, because I think, you just to give you guys a picture, he was on this show on our national broadcaster, which is uh, partially funded by the government. But uh, it was a show called Murdoch Mysteries, and it's like a period mystery show. And he was dressed like a kind of just like a budget Sherlock Holmes. I watched You're the kidding. clip like the other day, and I was like tears streaming down my face. It was wait, wait is it, it a comedy or he's no, trying to be serious? It's it's like sort of it's serious. Period drama. Sort of thing. 
I love, but what I I was gonna say, like the, we're gonna send this, clips. We'll send you clips. <laughs> it's all as bad this, as I think you Haley think. Just saw it. It's as bad as yeah, you Haley think it just is. Saw it. Oh my god! <laughs> it's amazing, Jordan. Oh my god! <laughs> it's as bad as you think it is. <laughs> I forgot that he had a basketball. <laughs> Oh yeah, he, he invented. I'm pretty sure he told them to name their team the Raptors, and then <laughs> walks off. <laughs> I told you it's Ted Lasso. That's a bit of a dick. <laughs> oh my God, was he a good actor? No, no. no. <laughs> it, was, it was terrible. But so the acting bad. on those shows has not historically been. Yeah, like it's like its own quality. It's like its own style of acting. I think that's day. like our PBS, right? Isn't P- wasn't PBS funded by the government? No. One thing that we do have, one of the only channels that we have that's well, we have like CNN and whatever, but like PBS, we have PBS. is like Buffalo Canadian yeah. broadcasting. Yeah. So like it's so because it's in Buffalo, we get it as well. We also like get some Buffalo radio stations because of the proximity. So PBS oh, yeah. half Canadian. Yeah, grew up on PBS. Wow. Okay. okay. I did not know that. All right. We are learning so much any PBS shows. Isn't like Arthur. Arthur? Arthur is a PBS the, show. Yeah. Sesame Arthur. Street. Oh, okay. Arthur. Was that, what was that show with the girl? Country mouse like and city mouse. She was green. <gasps> she was green. Oh. I thought yeah, like a pet caterpillar. It was like outdoors. Lala's Land or something? Something like that. It had the theme song, which was like kind of a nursery rhyme sort of thing. La, la, la. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. land. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay, sorry. I just remembered that. That's when I, I think babysit, yes, that's what I, I, I babysat a lot of kids in my youth. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> well, all this learning about Nick Nurse um, confirms my theory that he would be the coach that would go on Love is Blind. Um, mm, she did For say all that. of these reasons. And I, all this added knowledge just goes with my with my theory so thank you so much for that is he, he married would go on what yes he's married. he's married he has two kids he's got kids well no but we love him we love him. i i kind of don't want him shows. to go to the lakers they will break him he won't turn down a check so if love is blind gives him a check yeah. he'll be there or like dancing with the stars but, or like no, he Singer. Do like he would do stars. whatever shows they film in la and i think that would be a strong selling point you know to get him there oh and then when the gosh, when yeah. when things are going bad fans will bring up his like um his um side work his side yeah. hustle yeah <laughs> spending too much time away from the team and he would do it like he would do more if they started like if the Arkells asked him to go on tour right now he'd be like oh, it's the playoffs would I be able to make it for game seven okay bet <laughs> and he would go he would I believe in him his son's names are Leo and Rocky oh his kids are pretty cute that's metal that's amazing <laughs> um we're gonna take a quick break and then we are going to talk about what did I promise at the beginning? Oh, the Heat. We'll talk about the because whoever wins the series is going to play the Heat. Mm. Right? Yes. Yeah, you're right. Oh, okay. Yes. Nobody nodded. So I was like, <laughs> we're just uh, letting you sail out on that great setup again. Okay. Uh, okay, we're back. Kind of also want to talk about NBA Twitter because just because we're all in a proverbial room and I think we've all got some shit before. Um, that's, you know, I really enjoy all of your Twitter personalities um, and the way that you guys exist in a space that maybe like was it one of you guys the other day who just somebody was like reverting back to um the like females get too much attention, get 10k followers. Was that like one of you guys, or was that? Oh yeah, the I think I quoted people? something like that the other day. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, I just appreciate it. It's nice. It makes Twitter better for me. Um. To not have it just be the same conversations over and over and over again by the same type of people. Um. By which I mean, guys. Um. <laughs> But first, males. I guess we'll talk about Come the on. heat. Call them yeah. by their real names, males. Dudes. Yeah, males. Um, dudes. No, dudes males. can be actually, no, males. Yeah. Males, yeah. Dudes is too flattering. Dudes is okay. Yeah, dudes yeah, is like cool. affectionate for me because um, I'm where I grew up. If the Sixers win, if the Sixers go to the next round, 
and you're a Heat fan or Heat fans are listening or really just anybody who is who wants to sound a little bit like they have elevated analysis on what could happen next. Do you guys have anything that is like your huge takeaway from this series? Iman's like embedded with the Heat part time. Yeah. If we're talking about yeah, like you are. You engage with them yeah. a lot so on she, Twitter. She's got it. It's a Kyle Lowry connection. It is a Kyle Lowry connection. Oh, I okay, honestly I think I, I genuinely like and I'm with Yasmin. I want the Raptors to at least push it to seven games, but I don't particularly care if the Raptors win or lose it. I always thought that they could potentially beat the Sixers in the first round, but I didn't think they had a particular shot against the the Heat in the second round. The Raptors are big and long and like to beat up on other teams. The Heat are big and long and will beat up on the Raptors. Mm-hmm. And so it's like mm-hmm. they the way that the Raptors we'll bully guys. everybody we'll else. <laughs> yeah, like it it's going to be yeah, exactly. And I just I I as much as I love the Heat, I hate Raptor Heat games because I know someone's gonna leave injured and mm-hmm. I don't like All that. Mm-hmm. And also it to me, regardless of what happens, I think the Sixers are defeated. Right? Mm-hmm. Like even mm-hmm. if the Sixers pull this out against the Raptors, I don't think they have a shot against the Heat. And I just like the, one, two, three, Cancun for them right now, regardless right. of what happens in Game Six or Game Seven. So, I, I honestly don't really love the Raptors' chances against the Heat. The Heat are a good defense. The Heat also have something that the Raptors just don't have with the amount of floor spacers that they have. And yeah. also, they now have a downhill threat in Victor Oladipo, which is something they did not have in the past. And like sometimes their offense did get really bogged down, despite them having way more spacing than the Raptors do. Um, and it just felt like if Jimmy wasn't Jimmying, <laughs> they weren't going to get anything. And if Jimmy, like, whether that be free throws or just Jimmy kind of bullying people down low and really getting to the basket on his own, it just felt like they weren't getting anything. But with Victor Oladipo, and especially what I saw in Game 5 against the Hawks, it just feels like he's there, he's on. He was hitting threes, which is not a you know, particularly Oladipo thing, but he has the ability to do that and just the downhill threat that they now have and his playmaking, I just think he changes that team's offense entirely. And mm-hmm. they have a guy like Tyler Hero, which is somebody that the Raptors really don't have. Mm-hmm. So I, I personally just think that they're a better team than the Raptors are right now. They, they're deeper than the Raptors are, which is something that the Sixers aren't, which is where the Raptors have a bit of an advantage there. So to me, the Heat are just like the more evolved version of whatever the Raptors and the Sixers think that they can do right now. So no team really has a chance, in my opinion. So it doesn't really matter what happens. Everybody go home. I don't really want to see the Raptors face the Heat because I don't really want to root against Kyle Lowry uh, and his team. But I do love watching the Heat. Like, I have so many guys, capital G guys on that team um, that I really, yeah, just like root forable, like, you know, uh, opulent pests, basically, when they get on the floor. Uh, I would love to see them take the demoralized Sixers and just like maybe a sweep. Maybe it's a clean sweep, honestly. Yeah, it, it would. That would one. They would sweep the Sixers. I think There's so. No doubt in my mind. Because they'd be broken. Like, the Sixers are broken oh, right now. Yeah. I think the yeah. Sixers the energy could go up like, against anybody. It's not and just great. I don't even know rumble, if James rumble. Harden would show up. He'd be like, <laughs> I don't know what he would say, but like he's checked out already. So. Oh, he would show up to Miami. He'd be like, oh, I get to get out of here and go down to South He wouldn't show up bit. to the game, though. No. He'd go yeah. to Miami. <laughs> he would be in Miami, <laughs> yeah. just not in the arena. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, I feel like Harden has like no like emotional investment in the team. Mm-hmm. Like, what does he really care? Like, he just got here. <laughs> I don't know if he... I don't know. I just feel like... Um, Do you think he knows George Niang's name? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just, I don't know. I feel like um, Embiid, he doesn't strike me as the vocal leader type. Like, I don't even know. I don't, I don't think that's his leadership style. I feel like he's more so a demonstrator. Mm-hmm. Like, he will go out mm-hmm. there, play like an MVP, and then expect his his um, co-stars and his um, roster to follow through. Um, But I feel like the Sixers really need like that um, steadying voice um, in the locker room to keep them leveled. Like they're so emotionally volatile, like just throughout a game watching them. Um, And then you have like the Raptors who are like this young team um, with a rookie as a star member. Yeah. Yeah, who's so lovable, just so leveled at all times, mm-hmm. and it's why I think their their clutch execution is so good 
as a team without any like MVP caliber stars. Like when the Raptors get in a clutch situation, I always, I mostly favor them against most teams um, because they've just been able to execute so well. They get, they're very like just emotionally leveled. And I think it's part of why they've been able to make this comeback down 3 0. Um, yeah. and then play the fourth game as if it was just another game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's why MB, um, Siakam has been unfazed in these elimination scenarios. And I hate to say it, but if I feel like if DeRozan was in these these same situations, um, down 3-0 to the uh, Sixers, it would not have no. panned out into a 34-point performance or, you know, um, mm. 23 and 7 and 10 or something. Like, I don't, it wouldn't, it, it would, I've seen the movie so many times. I think so it's the times. Kawhi effect. I think it's the Kawhi effect. Remember, like, when the Raptors were down 0-2 in the oh, finals and they were like, you know, what do you do next or where do you go next from here, Kawhi? He's like, back to Toronto for game three. Like, what are we even talking about, <laughs> right? Yeah. And and it, he, he was very much like, we're not celebrating. Like, there was all these clips of the Raptors winning the um, game one of the finals or whatever and just stone face walking into the locker room because, mm-hmm. like, in the Kobe words, the job is not done. Um, and Kawhi is definitely, like, from the Kobe school of, of mind and thought there. So, I, I to me, this honestly just feels like the tanking Sixers never really had that leadership. And the Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet really grew up from the Kawhi Leonard School of Thought. And I think when you're a tanking team, you very rarely have those veterans. They had Jimmy for a year. They had J.J. Redick a little bit, but they never really had that. Embiid is not the vocal leader because he's never seen anyone really be the vocal leader in his locker room. Maybe Jimmy Butler then, for half of a season, mm, but nothing beyond that. Yeah. And like the Kyle then, Lowry School of Thought too, right? Of oh, yeah. Course, Kyle, then, yeah. Kyle, of course. Like, yeah. So Kyle I and was Kawhi. Kyle bought and that, in, and I think that trickled down to the rest of the guys uh-huh. like right that, with and, that kind and, of mentality but sure. also um i find <laughs> did you see that recent uh comment by fred where he said that he was um talking to scotty about staying leveled throughout the regular season and apparently they had an no, argument yeah, yeah. <laughs> scotty's just so he's so exuberant and like that's one of the highlights <laughs> of his college and high school play is that he was so expressive all of his former teammates talk about how mm-hmm. how happy this guy is at all times and apparently him and fred van Vliet butt heads because that's kind of against the the raptors ethos right now like you cannot ex- you cannot exhibit any sort of emotion like at the only time you really saw this team look excited about how things were going was like the last couple games of the season that's when like you really got to see energy and excitement from um uh, a, a couple of the starters, but and look um, how that turned out. They lost the first two games in pull-out fashion. Yeah. That's how you never, <laughs> never get happy. <laughs> Isn't Scotty like the face of uh, Jif peanut butter? Like he, yeah. he has to be happy. <laughs> it's like a second gen. So that's like a second gen ad campaign. Because what was it first last year? Like Pascal and Fred. Yeah, and then yeah. now oh, it's like that. Gary and Scotty like passed down. And I think the <laughs> yeah. first in the first commercial, they're like watching the old commercials of those guys because they're like studying film about how to make a peanut butter and jam sandwich. Because they're like, look at their technique. Anyway, it's pretty cute. <laughs> it's cute. It's lovable. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't. I was just gonna say. I, I was just actually uh, fantasizing about like PJ Tucker going up against like various members of the 76ers. So I'll bow out. I think you guys are right that the Sixers just don't have that person. And for Harden, um, not being invested, I can't think of the last time he was invested in a team. Yeah, genuinely, he's like, like a sphere of one. You know, like yeah, he is, yeah. and. People are talking about now, like, his con- – I think the most that he sees probably at stake is his contract. Yeah. I don't think it's, like, a team thing at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but he feels very individualized, yeah. So – He's hardened. They- like, yeah, exactly. Money, he's hardened, but, like, he's never looked <clears throat> less, like, hardened yeah. mm-hmm. either. Yeah. You know, or never – like, that's never <clears throat> been less important, I guess. Yeah. Um. So he has – I don't know if you if let's say that they lose let's say that the Raptors win would you rather be Embiid Harden or Doc? <laughs> I think I'd go Embiid. Embiid, yeah. Harden, yeah. Embiid. Yeah, because Embiid, yeah, Embiid sure. you you still have like some pride, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and I think you still have support, and I think you. <sighs> Yeah, I think like pride's probably the most important thing, right? If you're talking about like like, like proof of legacy or just like proof of effort, like you can't say that mm-hmm. there weren't stretches. Well, in this whole season when like you got to give credit to Embiid for like kind of lighting a fire under himself and just like getting away from like the the whole like Ben Simmons 
like toxic dialogue for everybody it's been toxic you know and just like deciding to play and like yeah having an mvp caliber season um that that like stands on its own but if I don't think you want to be Doc. I definitely would not want to be Doc. If you're Doc, you oh. have to do the Will Smith, like, India Eat, Pray, Love tour. Yeah. You just need to take yeah. some time off. <laughs> you do. Yeah, he might get blackballed. I don't know if a team yes. would hire him. <laughs> like, but, just, like, is that and that's the worst thing? You know, like, bad. just go golf. If you're 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 kind of immune, maybe like it's I don't want to be like that. But you're so just like, you know, you're just kind of apathetic to it already. So maybe you don't care. He could just say I'm injured. Right. Like Doc can't be like I'm injured. You know, like (laughs) Doc can't use that excuse. And like Harden is very clearly injured. He, he can't he just, walk out with the LeBron like wrist wrap. Yeah, <laughs> like, like actually, Harden needs to just doing that? come with crutches. Harden needs to come with crutches. Put his foot in a boot. Put his it foot have to be a bandage over the head or something. <laughs> yeah, it would have to be over the head for sure. <laughs> That'd be funny. Ooh. A bandaid on his clipboard. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think Thanks, Doc's Katie. gotta pack it up. Oof. Uh, does anyone want to talk about anything else? I just noticed how I just clicked on my quick time and saw that we are, we went for about an hour. So any other thoughts? NBA Twitter, people we should exile as a group. <laughs> <laughs> Media group. How much more time do we have? No, kidding. Start the campaign. Uh, Katie, do you want to talk about the guys? Oh, the guys versus the guys? Mm-hmm. Um... No, but I will say that the response to that story on Dimes that I wrote, the uh, official NBA playoff guide to Capital G guys, for the most part, the responses understood. It was a joke, purely a joke. Uh, some, not so much, you know, but it, the playoffs are hard for everybody. So some people are really going through it. That's how I chose to look at that. Um, I mostly like that because I looked at it as like, tell me if this makes sense. But when Draymond Green said like, some guys you think are guys are not guys. If you were like learning English and saw that sentence in Duolingo, like that's what I was thinking it of is like this would not make any sense. Like out of the uh, honestly, this, I think specific it might context make sense. of sports. It would sound like a proverb or something. Yes, like, it sound like a exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was like, I want to approach it like almost historically as like an artifact in time and then like somehow like metaphysically a little bit. So I could see it like in dramatic script writing in a home goods mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On like a wall hanging. Yeah, um, it was perfect. But I I don't know. I like the I like the transients of capital of regular guys going to capital G guys then kind of sometimes shifting out of capital G. So sometimes you're a lowercase guy again because the baseline is still you're in the NBA, you're pretty good. So it's not so bad to just be a regular guy. I'm just imagining a kid in like 2150 being like, oh, I hate these like, you know, Shakespearean sort of English. Like, dream on greeny in English. I can't understand this. Why did they talk like this back then? Yeah, I, it, it, you're right that it it's like an ebb and flow sort of thing. Like KD, mm-hmm. KD is, a, is a lowercase G guy right he now. He is. Yeah, he is. However briefly it may be right now, he's, he's not a capital G guy. I don't mm. think stars um, can be capital G guys. To me, capital G guys are like, bit more role player guys the guys that like will oh, go out and okay. scramble oh. like you know really like workhorses kind of heroes of the playoffs and that they'll like right. go out and do a little bit of everything mm-hmm. so Draymond so Danny Green could be a guy with a capital G on offense but he's a guy with a lowercase d on, g yeah, on defense yeah. and I didn't yeah, even okay. explore that Get like you could be a guy at different ends <laughs> of the floor you're guys. losing that capitalization duality of guy yeah <laughs> Duality of guy. Sounds like a, a course. <laughs> um, I will say to close out, I do hope they win t- like today's game. Yeah, me just really scare the Sixers. And I have like a lot of things I want to write about the potential of the game seven. But like, content, you know, just do that for me. You know, if it if it ends tonight, I I get maybe one article out of it. If it goes on for another couple of days, I maybe get two or three. So. Um, yeah, <laughs> just win today. <laughs> I'm I'm here for chaos. Just win it. Like I I'm with you, Yasmin. It would be like I don't particularly care who wins Game Seven, but like also the chaos aspect, I can't turn down. Mm-hmm. I, no, you, that's valid. The chaos the chaos is totally valid. Um, it would be um, it would be uh, like if everyone would eat. 
Like when it comes to like Raptors winning game seven, everyone would enjoy that. Like I feel like True. even Sixers fans would get a lot of um, yeah. work out of that. So yeah. Oh, they love being angry. They're pretty masochistic. <laughs> They're good at angry. They're really good They're at it. They were so booing them it. when they were down like four in the second quarter. <laughs> that is, that's so mean. Like, I, I had to explain that to my mom. Like she was like, why would you boo? your own team and i was like oh. i guess the rhetoric is it's like a blue collar city and they want everybody to work really hard and she like looked at me she's like she knew that's bullshit like sounds like collar workers don't put this on middle america yeah it's true i feel like blue collar you pro union you support everybody around pro you union, you, yeah, exactly. you want to lift all ships gritty would not support oh man um what does everyone <laughs> want to plug yeah. Dishes and dimes. Uh, <laughs> Every Monday morning. Yeah. <laughs> it, this one will be a really great one because either the oh, Raptors yeah. are out of the playoffs or the Raptors just completed the, the 3-0 comeback. Either way, two hours long. <laughs> <Middle of it>. <laughs> <laughs> Buckle up. Bring snacks. <laughs> yeah, much to discuss. Uh, and you can read uh, the official guide to guys, playoff guide to guys on dime if you care to. And subscribe do to it. Basketball Feelings. Yeah, you could do that. You could do that too. <laughs> I haven't decided. I think I'm going to write Exits again, which was a series I did last year where I wrote a little thing yes. about every team that was eliminated. I just forgot how many teams there are that get eliminated. So it took until July or August. <laughs> so I'll try and speed it up this year. <laughs> or I might be more selective. <laughs> I feel like you could also just, if you're not really interested in a team that got eliminated, like I was telling Jordan on Tuesday, I'm really bored of the Nets and the Nets conversation. You could even just do like an an aura check. Like this team is extremely blue, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> that's what you're getting from this review. <laughs> I might, I might have to do that. Well, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. This was very fun. Thank you. This I hope awesome. the Raptors yeah. win, even though you guys are indifferent. Apparently. <laughs> No, we're just. I uh, want whatever you want. <laughs> what are I want whatever we? You want. We just. We're just keeping. What are we? We're not. We're. We're like the Raptors. We don't get too high. We don't yeah. get too low. Yeah. <laughs> it's arm's length for us. <laughs> you know, it's arm's length for us. Everybody yeah. tried hard. <laughs> <laughs> I love that participation trophies. I just want to see Pascal have a good game. That's all I'm here for. Ultimate, yeah, it comes down to that. It comes down to that. Go out guns blazing. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Hey, y'all. This is Isabel. I'm calling from the great state of New Jersey, and I'm currently watching Memphis play Minnesota. They're not looking too hot right now, but I just love how well or how well Memphis has done with the young core this season. I'm a rather dissolution Knicks fan, so here's hoping that uh, Tom Thibodeau watches this series and sees how well Memphis is doing with their young core and really takes some inspiration from that and uh, allows us to have as much fun as we did in the last two weeks of the season, all season long next year. And that's all I can really hope because I'm only 20 years, 21 years old and I've only known suffering. So here's hoping for the best. Um, Y'all are the best. This podcast is great. And uh, you inspire me and lots of other folks all the time. So keep it up and send in lots of love from New Jersey. Woo-hoo!